those of you who were involved with the family festival, we got an email via our church website this week. It says, I would like to thank you for the holiday programs for the children you put on every year. My kids have come home with so much excitement in them and enthusiasm for learning all about Jesus. Thank you for this. I am unable to bring them to church. This has been a great avenue for them. And please give my thanks to those who have dedicated their time. What an encouraging note that is. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are here in your presence. Surely our God is the awesome, great high God, the King of heaven, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. The glorious God is the only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, and we come now as your children. Father, we come as those who need to come before our dad and say, Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be like Jesus. We want our very lives and our very selves to reflect his glory. We want the world to see in us not the us that we used to be, but the us that we are in Christ. And so we come now, Lord, to this passage of Scripture. Lord, this passage which has been hard last week and and still speaks to us this week. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our very lives. Lord, for whatever there is in my life or in the life of anyone here that is blocking your word from taking effect, cut it away, Lord. We claim your promise that your word does not go out and return to your void. Holy Spirit, move in this place. And I dare to ask that you would even use my words this morning. Amen. I do realize that there are some visitors with us this morning, so some of this might be over the top of your head (laughs) Um, last week. But you know what the rest of it? And the general application applies to all of us. This is scripture. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And it applies so much to us, but it applies to any place where you get a bunch of sinning Christians. And by definition, that's all of us until Jesus returns. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4 because as pastor and as eldership and as deacons, we have assessed that there are issues in our church that need to be resolved. Last week we highlighted the issue of disunity in the church. Wonderful unity, but in the midst of that, a sense of disunity. And groupings of people and other groupings of people. uh, And when the two mix, if the two mix. We looked at that and, and Paul challenged us and said, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And Paul said to us, you know what? You are so united in Christ. You are one. You share one faith. What is that? Verse 4 over there. Uh, One body, one spirit, one hope, 
one calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. All these things, Paul says, there is such unity now. Live it out. And be humble and be loving and put up with one another and be patient and be people like Jesus. That was last week. And I told you at the end of last week's sermon, you know what, I've got another half a sermon to give. But I stopped because it was getting late. (laughs) So now today I'm going to continue where Paul goes on. You see, it's it's actually a good news story. Surprising that the gospel is a good news story. All of this is good news. Paul says, yeah, there's issues. Sort with them. Deal with them. Imitate Christ. Chase after this. But but know that God and Christ is doing good things. And he goes on. We got to verse 6 last week. And he goes on in verse 7. And he starts with a but. When you read the Bible and you come to the three-letter words... They're big words. But, or two-letter words, so. Paul is making a, a, a jump here. He's just been highlighting for us how unity is meant to be the defining characteristic of the church. He says we are united. We've got all this stuff in common. But, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And I like the order in which Paul does this because he says, you know what, our unity comes first. But even in unity, we are not the same. We're not identical. And Paul's not talking about cultural differences here. He's not, I don't think that's where he's going. He's he's speaking about how as individuals, we have each received different gifts from Christ. And the word he uses there, he says, to each one of us, grace has been given. Unity comes first. When you're united as a united body, grace is given to the individuals. And we'll see towards the end of the sermon, that that the amazing thing is that the, the individuality of Christians in the church is not for themselves, but for the sake of the church. So we start with unity, individual gifts given. Why? So that there can be unity. Sandwich, unity. That's it. And the Bible speaks about it so much. It's just, it's got to be important. I mentioned last week Jesus' prayer in in John 17. Father, may they be one as you and I are one, united. So what is this, this grace that God gives to each and every one of us according to the measure of Christ? Now we pick up the word grace and we automatically think, right, he's talking salvation, right? Each one in the church has been saved. That's good, isn't it? It's true, I hope. If it's not, see me after the service. But you know, I don't think Paul is talking about saving grace here. 
That's the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 4. It is by grace that we are one. It is by grace that we are joined to Christ. It is that, that one baptism, that one faith, that one calling, that one Lord over all, all those things. Now, the grace of verse 7, which we receive according to the measure of Christ, is something else. And we know that because each one of us receives the fullness of God's grace for salvation. It's not like he measures out and says, right, you can have this much salvation, and you can have a little bit more salvation, a little bit less salvation. Rubbish. What is this measure of Christ that he gives us a different grace? Well, it's grace to serve. It's the gifts that God gives you. God gives so many gifts to us, and some of you I know have the gift of healing. Others have the gift of uh, tongues. I know there are people in this church. But do you know what? The gifts are not gifts for your own benefit. The grace of God is never me focused. The grace of God is always God focused. (laughs) Why does he save us? So that we can glorify his name. Because he loves us. Because of who he is. Why does he give us gifts? So that we can grow and build and hold up his church. So that there can be this unity which there is in Christ. That is why he gives us his grace to serve. And Paul goes on, he's got this lovely uh, quote from, from Psalm 68, I think, where he talks about how Christ is the one who came down and who ascended and, and, and having defeated all the authorities and principalities and powers and basically taken all that they have, he's gone up to heaven and in his bounty he said, I will give gifts to my people. I will bless my people because I have the authority to do so. And, you know, our our individuality really steps to the forward because I want to say, I have been given a gift by God. And I can tell you right now that God has given, if you're a Christian, each and every one of you a gift. Because God is incredible, He's given you more than one gift. I'm sure of that as well. But we want to say, I have been given a gift by God. And that's wrong. It's not that I have been given a gift, it's that I have been gifted by God. You see, it's almost the same thing. I've been gifted by God, God has gifted me. I mean, He's he's made me gifted, but He's also gifted me, gifted you to the church. He 
spiritual gifts are given to the church by people. Can I just have everyone put their hand up, please? If you're a member of the church, put your hand up. Or a regular attender, or just somebody who's a Christian. You're a gift to the person next to you and to the person across the aisle. What does Paul say here? He goes on and he gives us five groups of people, five spiritual gifts to the church. Elsewhere, Paul says, you know, there's some gifts which are incredibly important. And he says, he gives here, I think, the foundation gifts for the church. He says he gave some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, verse 11, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We start with the apostles, not many of them. We have the 12, we have a few others maybe. Uh, these are people who knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, who saw the risen Lord. These are the people who, who have laid the foundation for the faith on Christ. There are no apostles in the church today of this sort. Um, these are, well, Paul says in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 20, that, that the apostles and the prophets are the foundation of the church. Christ is the cornerstone. These are the, the first gift of Christ to the church. And what a gift that is still speaking the truth of Christ to us today. Prophets, are there prophets today? Well, prophets are people who stood in the presence of God and then spoke to the people and said, Thus saith the Lord, blah. Usually, turn back to me, and I will turn back to you. Uh, a prophet uh, was a person who gave direct revelation from God. Is there a prophet today? Not of that sort. Not of that sort. Paul, again, Ephesians 2.20 says, it's the apostles and the prophets who are the foundation for the church. And we know that, that Jesus has fully revealed God the Father to us. There can be no further revelation of who God is than Jesus Christ. What a gift. They're the Old Testament. And one or two in the New Testament. Near the beginning of the New Testament. And, and before you worry, yes, there are still prophets today, but they're a different kind of prophet. Prophets today take the Word of God and apply it to the situation in which they find themselves. A prophet always speaks the Word of God and the Word of God has come. So if a prophet is not speaking Jesus, then I would question whether they're really a prophet. Apostles and prophets, foundation. Evangelists um, is an interesting one. Um, the word evangelist is only used three times in the whole New Testament, believe it or not. It's used here, 
It's used of Timothy in 2 Timothy, and it's used of Philip in Acts 21, which we looked at two weeks ago. Three times. What is an evangelist? (laughs) Huge gift to the church. Why? Because they go and they tell people about the good news. They speak the word. Pastors and teachers, people who look after the flock, a a pastor, literally a shepherd for God's people. Teachers, those who, who, who instruct others in the word of God. Now, pastors do a bit more than that. Um, administration, and quote Calvin, pastors do the administration of discipline, the sacraments, warning and exhortation. These belong particularly to the pastors. Probably had a French accent, but I'm not going to try that. Did anyone notice the common element in these five groups that Paul has picked up? Apostles? Big book? That's plural, yeah. Something else. Apostles wrote letters concerning Christ, concerning the Word. Prophets wrote down what God told them to do. They revealed God and His Word. Evangelists, what did they do? They go and tell people about the word become flesh. Pastors and teachers, what do they do? They grow and they guide God's flock. How? By the word. That's why I dare to say these are key gifts to the church. And I do so with trembling (laughs) and fear because I'm... I'm a pastor there, and it's a huge responsibility. Why does Paul pick up these five gifts to the church? Because the way the church grows in unity, grows in maturity, grows into the full manhood of being like Jesus is through the instruction of the Word. The Word of God is what grows us and makes us to be like Him. This is what verse 12 says of chapter 4. It says, why did God do this? Why, why, why? Verse 12, He did this too, so that the people of God could be prepared. Or another translation, so that the people of God could be equipped for works of service and for building up the body of Christ. Well, what about... What about the other offices of the church? What about deacons? What about elders? Paul doesn't list them. But you know what? If we go with this criteria of what, what is important is, is the word and is preparing and equipping the saints, I would put elders in that list. 
And I don't think I would be doing a disservice to the word there. And I would put deacons into that list. Because their job, especially the elders, is to shepherd and teach God's flock. You look at the requirements for what an elder is supposed to be, that's it, they're supposed to be able to teach. (laughs) That's the big one. They are a gift to the church. I don't know if you've thought about our deacons and elders like that before. And you say, oh, they're not Christ's gift to the church. We elected them. Still Christ's gift. Still Christ's gift. When Judas betrayed Jesus, there was an opening in the 12 apostles. There were only 11 of them. What did they do? Cast lots. Well, us 11 are a gift of Christ to the church, but this bloke over here, well, we chose him. It's okay. He's not really Christ's gift to the church. Rubbish. (laughs) Christ is in charge. What about you? What about me? (laughs) It's very fair. You see, God puts leaders in the church to bless the church. So that the church and do works of service. God puts leaders in the church to grow the church so that the church can grow each other. We saw last week that there is a unity that is ours by right of being adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah. Amazing. We saw last week, though, that that this is something which we have to maintain. We saw that in verse 3, and we we need to strive for this. It's something that has to be maintained, but it is also, says verse 13, something which we are yet to attain. We've got it. We need to keep it, and we need to get it. All those three things mashed together into the truth. We have unity in Christ. Boy, we need to work to keep that unity in Christ. And boy, we need to work to get that unity in Christ. Chapter, thir- uh, chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, the purpose of this giving leaders gifts to the church so that the people might be prepared for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now I look at that and say, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I, 
until Jesus comes, we're still going to fall apart at the seams every now and again. You know what? Paul doesn't say, and this is my pipe dream, that you would be one and united in the faith and fellowship. Paul says, no, I want you to actually go for it. Go for it. I've gifted you with people who will equip you and grow you, and you yourselves are gifts to one another, and you're going to build each other up in love. We'll see that just in verse 16. I'm going I'm, I'm to give so much to this church so that it can grow so much closer to myself and to each other, and go for it, because I want you to be like my son. I want you to be mature. And you know what? Where, where Paul is speaking there, he says, growing into the fullness of Christ, he's not talking about you as individual. In this instance, yes, each one of us wouldn't be fantastic if we can say, I am growing into the fullness of Christ. Not there yet, but I will be one day. But you know what Paul is saying right here? I want the church. Use us to reach the fullness of maturity in Christ as a body. Yes, as individuals. Yes, as individuals, so that we won't be tossed to and fro by every weird teaching that comes along, verse 14. Yes, as individuals, but more than that, as a body. So that when the world looks at the church, they say, that church looks like Jesus. And my side effect of that is, if the church looks like Jesus, hopefully the people in the church look like Jesus as well. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. See, the opposite of spiritual immaturity is spiritual maturity where we speak the truth in love. More than that, actually. Um, the word speaking is not in the Greek. It's there to make the sentence sound good in English, but, but it actually says truthing in love. We don't have a word truthing. Spiritual maturity means, yes, speaking the truth in love. It means doing the truth in love. It means being the truth in love. It means at the very core of our being resides truth. Bubbling up in love. I'm sure somebody said, I am the way, the truth. And he also said that springs of living water would flow out of us. That is spiritual maturity where, where the love of Christ defines us where the truth of Christ defines us and where we just love one another. See, the ultimate goal of Christ for the church is that we be made into the image of Christ. 
How? From him the whole body joined and held together. From Christ the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love just as every part does its work. starts with Christ hallelujah it starts with Christ you know what we've we've raised some issues in the church If you haven't noticed those issues, please do. Because <laughs> um, there's been several people that have, including myself, including the elders, including the deacons, including a few others as well. And I can speak for myself that I have had sleepless nights because of it. And I know that that is true of many of the deacons and elders as well. there have been tears that I have seen and that I've experienced. But thanks be to God because he is a very great savior. And he is not finished with us. My brothers and sisters, you are a gift to this church. My brothers and sisters, you have been gifted with everyone else in this church so that we might reflect the glory of Christ. Now, mentioned there five particular gifts included in there, the elders and the deacons. Uh, We had a meeting last week, as you would have seen in your bulletin, where we discussed some of the issues of the church, and we thought one of the issues we picked up on is that it seems to us that there hasn't been that appreciation of the elders and the deacons as a gift to the church by some in the church. So we thought what we're going to do, we're going to have all of the elders and the deacons resign two-part process. Uh, the deacons, uh, not just them, all the church officers, um, apart from me unless you tell me to. Um, uh, deacons, um, well, basically everyone except the elders will be resigning. Uh, we're going to call a meeting to put this to a motion next week after the service. I'm just giving you advance notice of it. This is what the deacons and elders have agreed to. Deacons will resign effective the meeting of February, the general meeting, at which date there will be an election to elect a new diaconate. The elders will remain as elders until the middle of the year at the general meeting at the middle of the year, at which time they will be stepping down and we will elect a new body of elders. It sounds drastic. 
But you know what? This is your chance to recognize the gift of Christ to this church. If you want to know more about that, come and talk to me. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to one of the deacons. We're going to have, as I say, an extraordinary general meeting, a special general meeting. I think it's called in the, in the Constitution. Next week after the service to discuss it in depth. And then we're going to move forward. Um, as eldership uh, and as pastor, we're going, to, we're going to step up a little bit more. We're going to be more proactive about equipping the saints and being sure that you guys have all that you need to really bless the socks off this world. You know what? God has prepared works of service for you and he's prepared them way beforehand. <laughs> and you guys, that's why I read that letter. <laughs> Do you know how much it made me smile? God is good. going to do a, a different kind of benediction. I want you to, and I'm sorry if this puts you out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, I am your gift from Christ. If it's your husband or wife, turn to somebody else. <laughs> That's already a given. <laughs> If it's not a given, come and see me. <laughs> now unto him who is able to do so much more than you can think or imagine, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, be majesty, oh boy, be dominion, be power, right now. This week, forever. Amen. Just going to conclude our service with um, the song In Christ Alone. Oh,
say